0: Welcome to The Spotlight with the Ambassador and the Chief. In this program, we take a fresh look at some of today's challenges. From the economy, education, politics, security, defense, and much more, you'll be prompted to see and think about things just a bit differently. Now here are your hosts, Ambassador Harry Thomas and Chief Alex Morales.
1: Welcome to The Spotlight. We are your
2: hosts, Ambassador retired Harry Thomas. And I'm the Chief
1: Retired. Uh, Harry, today I'm very excited. We got a gentleman that uh, his resume is very impressive. Uh, He specializes in due influence, and we're happy to have him here. His name is Dr. Hassan. Sir, thank you for taking the time.
3: Thank you so much for the uh, honor.
1: Uh, Well, Dr. Hassan... Can you please tell us about yourself and what drew you to specialize yourself in and do influence?
3: Sure. So essentially, uh, I was 19 years old going back to 1974. Uh, And it was the same month that Patty Hearst was abducted by the Symbionese Liberation Army from her apartment and then indoctrinated to become Tanya. She later helped to rob a sporting goods store and bank and went to jail. That same month, I had my girlfriend dump me abruptly. I was a student at Queens College studying creative writing. And I was in the cafeteria and three women, representing themselves as fellow students, asked to share my table. And I didn't realize that they were part of a Korean apocalyptic cult called the Moonies. Uh, Sun Myung Moon was uh, later represented to me as the Messiah, uh, the greatest man in human history who was going to finish Jesus' failed mission. But I grew up in a Jewish family. I wasn't looking to join a group or anything. I was looking for a girlfriend at age 19. But it led me to uh, ultimately drop out of college, quit my job, donate my bank account, uh, cut off from my family and friends, and work 18 to 21 hours a day, seven days a week for over two years Um, And my whole personality and belief system was completely radicalized. I came to believe that democracy was satanic, uh, that we needed a theocracy to rule the world. And I was involved as a leader in the cult. Uh, and essentially, I fell asleep at the wheel of a of a van and woke up as I was driving into the back of a tractor-trailer truck at 80 miles an hour and was rescued from the wreckage in the hospital for weeks, which led to me reaching out to my sister, who I hadn't talked to in over a year, and her invitation to see her and my nephew, had who had been born, which led to a deprogramming of five days which I was can tell you that I was convinced that I wasn't brainwashed or that I was in a cult I thought I was doing God's will and it was the love of my family that implored me to have an open mind and if i wanted to go back after a few days they would at least know that that they had tried to share the information about what is brainwashing and mind control and fortunately i woke up and at the point that i realized moon couldn't be the messiah he was a liar he was untrustworthy uh, I wanted to understand what happened to my mind. And it was actually some of the research from, from military uh, mental health professionals in the 50s studying Chinese communist brainwashing techniques that was very helpful for me to have a, a, a framework for understanding like what are the criteria of brainwashing. And at the point I woke up, there was a congressional subcommittee investigation into Korean CIA activities in the U.S. that was, had the Moonies as a, a main part of that investigation. I turned over all of my internal leadership documents. and And then Jonestown happened a few weeks after that. And I think it was a combination of the horror of realizing that I had, you know, basically been indoctrinated against my own self and my own religion my own family and democracy and and um the realization that children could be killed by their own parents because a, a cult leader told them this is what god wanted that I felt like I needed to do more to share my knowledge. That led to me becoming a mental health professional. I authored four books, and I recently completed a doctoral program where I analyzed brainwashing and thought reform and mind control and trafficking and undue influence, and I did a quantitative study on my BITE model, of uh, of authoritarian control as a tool that the legal system can potentially use to evaluate undue influence in courts of law.
1: Wow, impressive. Go ahead, Harry. Well,
2: Doctor, I hope you had a good uh, Passover.
3: Oh, thank you very much.
2: I'm also from Queens.
3: Whereabouts, may I ask?
2: Yeah, I'm from St. Albans, Queens.
3: So I'm from Flushing, Okay. At right near Union Turnpike, and I grew up 1.3 miles from Donald Trump, who was across St. John's University in Jamaica Estates. Well,
2: I, I grew up close to St. Albans, uh, just go up 188th Street.
3: Yeah, I was uh, 172nd Street. Yeah,
2: across, across Hillside. Yep, yeah. Where the Trumps lived, and yeah, uh, Uh, jamaica states i used to take the the uh the e train or the f to 179th street
3: yeah so a fellow queensian hi yeah yeah. (laughs) did you go to high
2: school in queens
3: or i went to jamaica high
2: hey i went you know what you should in in that place you need to look at the uh, person who designed that because the rooms did not make sense they weren't like, room 201 wasn't next to 200. I remember going through that place.
3: Did you go to Jamaica High? No,
2: I went to oh. a place called uh, Brooklyn Technical High School. Brooklyn.
3: Oh, okay. Well, I uh, we had a good basketball team. We were citywide champions, and uh, so I was really into basketball in high school. I wasn't good enough to be on the team, but I, I was a assistant manager. I kept the rebounds and helped... <laughs> rebound for the players
2: well i think hillcrest was right across and yes boy not far uh no tech we're in brooklyn we weren't winning anything in basketball in brooklyn but uh, but,
3: (laughs) my uh, mom was an eighth grade uh art teacher in brooklyn for 21 years
2: ah no we were but we won in every other sport
3: okay We,
2: we were football track even we had the only pool, I think, in the city, which is why we were swimming champions.
3: Oh, wow. That's impressive.
2: That is great. Well, it's good to meet somebody else from Queens. I uh, hope you're a Mets fan.
3: Uh, I went to uh, the World Series game. I cut high school. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I was also at home listening to those. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's great.
2: That Well, it's a small world Um, and also I would be, uh, remiss if I didn't wish, uh, my brother,
1: Alex Morales, happy birthday today. Oh, Uh, thank you. Thank you. Hi,
3: happy (laughs) birthday, Alex.
1: Appreciate it, Dr. Hasnett. Thank you. Thank you. You know,
2: well, it's always good. Uh, one day doctors, we get back to the questions. We'll teach Alex, uh, really. About New York food, so y'all understand what an egg cream is—a <laughs> bagel and lox and kasha. You know, I don't think he's ever had kasha, but uh, maybe one day we'll give give it to him. But, uh, thank you so. And don't
3: forget the knishes, Harry.
2: Knish with some mustard. Ah. <laughs> well. You know, I just went to the Mets game in Port St. Lucie on Saturday and they have Nathan's hot dogs. You know, I had to have one. Yeah. The women serving were from Brooklyn. So
3: they had a lot of fun. <laughs> Nice.
2: It is nothing but great memories of our, our fair city. Uh, but let's get back to the subject at hand, Dr. Hassan. What's the difference between undue influence and mind control?
3: It's another term. It's a legal term. And I guess I want to start by is suggesting an influence continuum in our minds from ethical influence to unethical influence. And so ethical influence, you have informed consent, you have the freedom to question, you have the encouragement of your conscience, you can read whatever you want to read, talk to whoever you want to talk to, and you can leave without fear or threats, The undue influence or the mind control or thought reform or brainwashing is really the imposition through social psychological means of a pseudo-identity that's dependent and obedient on the leader or the ideology of a authoritarian cult. And I define authoritarian in four overlapping components, controlling people's behavior, their information, their thinking, or their thoughts, and their emotions. And it's these four things together that form this identity that is supposed to be dependent and obedient and follow blindly and is typically controlled through a very simplistic ideological uh, system that's black and white, all or nothing, good versus evil, um, that installs phobias in people's minds, irrational fears if they question the group or exit the group so the, the 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 bottom line and why I decided at age 63 to enter a doctoral program was because after 40 years of activism, I realized nothing was changing policy wise and I realized the 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 problem was the legal system had an outdated model of the human mind that's about a hundred years out of date saying that you become 18 you're an adult and so you're making your own decisions and it ignores hypnosis for example or it ignores what happens if you're sleep deprived for long periods of time it ignores the whole social psychological science of how to manipulate and indoctrinate people So I got involved with a forensic think tank at Harvard Medical School called the Program in Psychiatry and the Law. And the psychiatrists and psychologists and attorneys there said, this is important. Uh, We can help you learn how to be an expert witness because the law changes with precedent-setting cases. But they said the law also wants science. To change things, and all of the models of thought reform and brainwashing were what we'll call, what it's called qualitative studies in interviewing people about their experiences, and so I went. I, I I was guided by one of the professors who said, "Go to get a doctorate. I'll supervise your research," and we turned my 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 criteria in the BITE model, the behavior, information, thought, and emotion, that's what I referred to as the BITE model, into a all-or-nothing Likert scale. And I had over 1,400 people responding, and we came up with a factor analysis that was very strong. And so within that influence continuum, if you tick off the behavior control elements, information, thought, and emotional control elements, you can go, this is an undue influence, or an authoritarian cult. And I think in light of what happened on January 6th, uh, where so many people said, but I was just doing what the president asked me to do, this brings into focus why this model is so prescient right now for our time, because in the model, it looks at the influencer and the influencee, ...and the techniques of influence. And in order to be in an authoritarian cult, there's somebody pulling the strings, telling the orders, giving the big lies. So uh, we'll see what happens in the coming months. But I am pretty confident that the time is ripe where everyone needs to be able to discern for themselves whether a relationship is a a controlling one, where they've been isolated from their family or friends by a boyfriend, girlfriend, or spouse, or if uh, pimps and traffickers are doing to people uh, for sex trafficking or labor trafficking, multi-level marketing cults, religious cults, political cults. And I do think of China as an authoritarian cult, um people are great in china as people are good around the world but they can be in a system where they're indoctrinated into this dependency and obedience frame and and given propaganda that the rest of the world is evil etc so but this is the age we're living in we're not living in a post-truth world we're living in the age of undue influence in my opinion
1: and with that we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back.
4: Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. career advice and a variety of other topics check us out today you're sure to find something of interest voice america variety talk on today's hot topics have you become a member yet sign up now to become a member of voice america it's always free and easy
2: VoiceAmerica.com
0: You are listening to The Spotlight with the Ambassador and the Chief. If you have a question or a comment about the program, drop us a line via email to support at dbaecsolutions.com Again, that's support at dbaecsolutions.com Now back to The Spotlight. And we're back with
1: the spotlight and with Dr. Steve uh, Hassan. And Dr. Hassan, I, 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 you kind of stick with me to my next question, which is you refer to January 6th. And my question to you is, you know, it's destructive cults, right? Uh, and I want to frame it to the point as like this type of cults, like, like for example, Q QAnon, I mean, we ignorantly thinking that uneducated people fall to those cults and it's not true I have looked at it and there's all type of education all type of uh, gender and uh, all type of people fall into the same cult can you explain why or what it is why it, it happens or
3: well let me start by just saying that in social psychology there's a very important principle known as the fundamental attribution error okay when it's a three big words but basically it describes a phenomenon around the world that when humans are trying to understand other humans they tend to underestimate the social influence, context, and they overestimate the disposition or the character of the person. And so when people first hear, I was in the Moonies, they typically think, what's wrong with him? He was weak, he was stupid, he was uneducated, didn't come from a good family, didn't have a good religious upbringing. All of which were not correct. I was an extra honors student in a loving, intact family, youngest (laughs) of three kids, very independent-minded. And so what people don't understand is that deception is used in one of these authoritarian, destructive cults where people don't know what they're getting into, and it becomes a psychological trap. And typically when somebody is starting to get recruited and indoctrinated they start talking differently to their family and friends and they they try to explain it to them and it usually sounds crazy to family and friends who do the normal thing which is that's crazy, Steve, this is nuts, <laughs> how could you believe this crap, you know? and but, but, but that type of reaction actually winds up propelling the person usually deeper in uh, because part of the recruitment is priming you to expect persecution from your family and friends, and with a 19-year-old – it was standing oper- standard operating procedure to, to talk about how you need to separate from your parents and not be controlled by them. And are you gonna, you know, let do what your parents want you to do? Or are you gonna like be a man and you know make your own decisions? Well, you're in a frame where you're not making any decisions because you're being influenced by a, a destructive cult. But um, what I what I want to say a very important point is that when I was recruited it was face-to-face recruitment and and people would need to be physically isolated this was decades before cell phones were invented or the Internet was invented and what what we are now seeing is that um, human beings are now spending hours and hours online and these platforms have been digitally engineered with AI. Our private data has been collected uh, either by Cambridge Analytica or, or other places. And this data is being collected. I'm told that there are 5,000 data points on every uh, American of voting age. And this data can be... Sold to third parties who can use AI computers if they have enough money, and they can micro target subgroups of interests. And for enemies of democracy, this looked like fostering polarization, you know, infiltrating this group that's, let's say, for um, uh, gun rights and the anti gun. Or, or the white supremacists and the Black Lives Matter. But just finding any topic and wanting to ramp up the hatred, the fear, the disinformation. And what, what I want your listeners to understand is we're living in this age of cyber, psyop situation and we need to come back to values like lying is wrong you know greed is wrong we need rule of law and checks and balances and you know science matters there is global climate crisis and we shouldn't let those Those dictators, authoritarians that have a lot of fossil fuels to spend hundreds of millions of dollars to manipulate major media and social media to create confusion with people. We need to realize we're on this beautiful planet together, and we need to make choices that are sustainable (laughs) for an indefinite future.
1: Go ahead, Harry. That's incredible. Thank you for that answer.
2: Yes, impressive.
1: Doc, is it difficult for people
2: to leave destructive cults uh, on their own, or do they always need help getting out?
3: That's a really good question. So I would say that it's incredibly difficult to get out. Um, And it's a critical uh, variable, actually, at analyzing who leaves and when. Because the people who leave earlier have a lot of contact with family, friends, and the outside world. And even if they're being told, don't read the newspaper or don't watch TV, if they sneak it, <laughs> then it it, makes them, it gives them the, the tools they need to start reality testing. And, and right now in the United States with QAnon and the cult of Trump, because uh, I wrote a book by that title, um, the people who are still saying that Trump won the election by a landslide and that Russia had no involvement whatsoever in the 2016 election and thereafter um, are still living in this indoctrinated ideological bubble, separate from, like, reality. Um I do want to share, if I may, Alex and Harry. Please, do so. When I, when I was in the cult in 1974, uh, I was brought with a few hundred other Moonies to see the Exorcist movie. And then we were bussed up to Tarrytown where the Messiah gave a lecture about how God made the Exorcist movie. And this movie was a prophecy of what would happen if we left the Unification Church wow so i grew up jewish we don't believe in satan we we're, we, we're not into demons and all that that movie scared the bejebas out of me later i learned there were subliminal images of the devil and stuff that were added in by the filmmaker but the point is back to your question ambassador if you're afraid like take an elevator phobia if you're afraid to get in an elevator because all you can believe is you're going to plummet to your death or be trapped for eternity if you get in those go into those doors you're not going to go into the elevator and people in authoritarian mind control cults they can't imagine leaving the group and being happy and fulfilled And the more extremist cults, like ISIS, they'll actually hunt you down and try to kill you if you leave ISIS and collaborate with with the enemies of ISIS. So I don't want to make it seem like all destructive cults are equally as bad. There are definitely worse ones than, than not. But the point is that even if you physically leave the cult, you still have all this indoctrination in your head. And unless a person takes the time to really learn and understand what happened to them and kind of unpack from the moment they first met the group and what was happening in the workshops and their moments where they did have doubts and they wanted to leave but they got coerced to stay... People need to process that so that they're really done with the cult identity. And the error with a lot of people is they just, they're just they so traumatized getting out of the cult. They try to put it in a closet, close the door, lock it up, and they don't want to talk about it. And those people are time bombs because then they can be recruited into another cult. And that's what I'm seeing with QAnon and Cult of Trumpers. There's a lot of cults and cult members and their leaders that were his base, and there's a bunch of people who've left cults who then get sucked in.
1: Wow. Wow. It, 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 I, I, I try to understand sometimes when you show someone. You know, like listen, but look out this and, and, and it's like they're not seeing or they don't want to see. So it's incredible how what you the way you explain it though.
3: So Alex, if I may, or, or shall I call sure. you chief? Alex is good. Alex no, no. is that fine. Call, to, call yes, me sir. Steve, please. <laughs> so um the mistakes that people make because they don't understand mind control and undue influence and how it was done and what its effects are is they try talking to a cult member the way they would talk to anybody else okay by 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 talking about facts and reality yeah, <laughs> and ahead. facts do not equate, when you're in that mindset, you're doing thought stopping to block any doubts out of your mind, whether it's chanting or praying or meditating or singing a song or whatever. And and the, the, the phobias get activated by anyone like attacking the leader, the doctrine or the group. So the most effective technique is a truth seeking frame, not I'm I'm, I'm good and you're in a cult, you know, I know what's true and you don't. A, a truth-seeking frame with rapport and respect to the person where you say, you know, you're an intelligent, educated person, I respect you, maybe it's your brother, sister, uncle, aunt. Um, if you believe this, I have to take it seriously I I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense to me right now. But please explain to me what was important that convinced you to take it seriously. Give me one thing, whether it's a video or whatever. Let us discuss it. And then it will be my turn. I'll give a video. We'll watch it. And then we'll discuss it. And I'm prepared to change my point of view. Right, So you're creating a frame that isn't one up, one down, or power or control, but engagement with warmth, love, and respect. And it's really the scientific method, right? It's Instead of assuming you have the truth and trying to make the other person agree with you, you're like, nobody's perfect. Nobody knows everything. Let's seek it out together. And anything that's legitimate will stand up to scrutiny.
1: Oh. It's funny you mentioned that I, my wife is a huge fan of you, sir, and I, I, she I think she read all the books. Uh, I mean, she she's fascinated, but I, I think she was referring to the freedom of your uh, the book of freedom of mind, mm-hmm. and is it, talking about the in, uh, strategic interactive approach. Yes. Is it that what you're referring to right now? Is that type So of I wrote
3: book? a book on my approach, and my approach needed to change over the decades. Like when I was helped, the only model was kind of a forced deprogramming model where you try to keep the person <laughs> against their will, or if you could get a court-ordered conservatorship to have custody, a parent to have custody for a week, then that was abolished, And then it had to become voluntary because I didn't want to do anything that was viewed as illegal. And so over time, and then with the Internet, I realized now that people have smartphones, the cult is constantly in touch with them, tracking their movements Uh, notifications going off, constant indoctrination. And it's almost impossible to get someone away for three days in order to talk with them to reevaluate whether or not they want to stay in. So what evolved is, I call it the strategic interactive approach. And simply what it is is I, I, I recommend to my clients that they build a team Family members, friends, former teachers, next door neighbors, ex-members of the cult, clergy, if it's appropriate to whatever the cult is, and I do a two-day prep like uh, intensive on what do you need to know, and I bring a former member of the particular cult, to explain the words, the jargon, you know, the the policies, etc., and I organize them as a team where they're each given little assignments to interact with the cult member, but it's all done with love, and it's all done with asking a good question and waiting for an answer to prod thinking and reality testing. And the universal Achilles heel, if I may, of someone who's in a, a totalist you know, authoritarian cult is when you're in one, you don't believe you are. You don't think you're brainwashed, but you think other groups are.
4: <laughs> okay.
3: Right? So, and, and I've yet to, I mean, when I need to, I bring out the Heaven's Gate videos where Doe is talking about going up to the spaceship and the... Tale of the Hellbop Comet, and the members are in pairs, and they're like, You may think that I'm brainwashed, but I'm really not. And this is actual video that they took before they died. And I show it, and I say, what do you think? Do you think they're, they're going up to a spaceship to ascend, or do, what do you think? And they'll say, oh, they're brainwashed. Like, they are so gone. They have different names, different clothing. They can never be alone. And they go through the bite model with me. But once we have a case example that the person agrees with, That there is such a thing as undue influence or brainwashing. Here are the characteristics. Then we have a foundation to come back and talk about their group, because the universals with all authoritarian groups is they all program you against former members and critics. They're all liars. It's fake news. The media is the enemy of the people. You know, it's the deep state. You know, whatever, the loaded terms and whatever. So the, the, it, it's a psychoeducational approach delivered by people that the person knows and cares about in a loving way. And it's, and, and it's meant to do aha moments that helps the person understand what a phobia is versus a legitimate fear where there's actual danger. And how yeah. to f- how to undo that? So I have a whole chapter in the Freedom of Mind book on my three-step phobia intervention.
1: And with the have uh, moment, we're gonna take a short break, and we'll be right back.
2: the internet's number one talk station number one talk station voiceamerica.com
0: you're listening to the spotlight with the ambassador and the chief If you have a question or a comment about the program, drop us a line via email to support at dbaecsolutions.com. Again, that's support at dbaecsolutions.com. Now back to the spotlight. And
1: we're back with Dr. Steve Haslam. And uh, please, uh, Harry, take it over.
2: Yes, doctor. In the past, people used who use the term deprogramming when talking about helping people leave destructive cults in your books, you mention that this method is now considered unsophisticated and somewhat illegal. Can you tell us more about what deprogramming is or was and why it is considered illegal?
3: Sure. So the term deprogramming was coined by um Ted Patrick, in the 70s, who, I believe his niece got uh, recruited by a Bible cult and he knew about the Bible. And he pretty much sat her down and lectured to her about why this was wrong, why it wasn't biblical, and but it, 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 part of what worked was keeping her away from the group for enough time that that constant indoctrination and reinforcement was happening. It's one thing if you're with your niece, right? And it's another thing if families hire people to abduct a person and then hold them against their will. If they're over the age of 18, if they got away or left and went back to the group, they would filed charges against their family and the deprogrammers now when i was doing deprogramming because i did it for about a year after my deprogramming they were all with people from the moonies and i'd say half of the cases were with court awarded conservatorships where the family went before a judge and said your honor my loved one Uh, we believe is a victim of artful and designing people. Here's a former member. We just want access for a week, custody for a week, uh, to provide information to make sure that they know what they're doing. And judges were granting them, and they were wildly successful. And part of the reason it was successful, several things, in my opinion. One is just physically being away from the group and sleeping and eating. Secondly, learning about indoctrination and cults, uh, in particular the Chinese communist brainwashing material, but also meeting former members of the group, because when you have phobias, the terrible things are going to happen to you if you leave, and then you meet someone who's left, who's like, I'm happy, I'm good, I love Jesus, or you know, I'm uh, I'm right with God, it undoes some of that phobia programming. So it was a combination of those things, I believe, that was made it successful uh, and why people didn't go back to the cult. However, uh, it was a big threat to a lot of cults like Scientology, the Moonies, the Hare Krishnas, the Children of God, just to name a few that were very... Um, very, very active. They still are, but they they're very, were very active in the 70s. And as soon as the, the, the court-awarded conservatorships were taken away and it was deemed that it was illegal to do any forcible deprogramming, I just said, I'm not doing it anymore. If anyone wants to talk to me voluntarily, I'll do it. And so we had a period there where we called it exit counseling, where a person would maybe be caught off guard by their family when they were coming home for a visit and they did a little mini version of an alcohol intervention of we love you and we are concerned that you don't have the whole picture about this group and would you give us three days of your time because this is your whole life ahead of you you're thinking of dropping out of school or you're thinking of uh, getting married to somebody in this group give us three days and let us you know share what we know so that we can sleep at night knowing that we did the responsible thing and that worked really well until my book came out combating cult mind control in 1988 and then the cults' leaders or their pr departments read the book and were like we're not letting anyone go home unless they're accompanied <laughs> you know? no no visits home for three days ever and so and, and i realized it's move counter move And I did worry a little bit when I was thinking about writing the book, because I I knew that it would alert the cults to what we were doing to help people get out. But I felt we need to share this information. It's too vital for everyone to understand this. Um, So... And then, the, then when the digital age occurred, then we were doing things online, and putting up materials online, we were connecting the, with former members all over, and that's where the strategic interactive approach got really ramped up, because I realized around 1980 or so, the most effective people are the people you love. Like, if my if someone had coached my family how to talk to me, I wouldn't have been in for two and a half years. I wouldn't have thrown out my poetry. I wouldn't have dropped, you know, dropped out of college if my family had been coached. But they were like, Steve, you're crazy. It's a cult. Like, get out. <laughs> and my mother was, you know, wishful thinking mom, dear mom. You know, he's too bright, he's gonna wake up and see through this, so we don't need to do anything. And my father was like, We're in a lot of trouble, honey. <laughs> you know, and he was right. I was I was deep deep deeply a fanatic in that cult.
1: I think you mentioned something and it kinda of led me to believe uh for people that for family or loved ones or friends that that had someone in a cult, what will be and don't have the tools uh, perhaps don't know your information or your, or, or your, um, or your strategy, what, what do you will think would be the best way to approach and help their loved one? You have, it, it,
3: to, to use a military term or a police term, ready, aim, fire. Okay. Not fire, 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 did I hit anything? You have to prepare first, and that's why I've written books. I've done videos, I do interviews. I put up a course on udemy that's three and a half hours for ten bucks that somebody can begin educating themselves because you need you need to internalize this information, be able to customize it, to be effective. But the the, the big problem with with families and why, for example, therapists, don't treat their own family, right? is because you're too close and you're, okay. you're so emotional, so that's why they people will come to me or or seek out some outside person to coach them, and I'll often say to people you know your 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 cult member daughter is calling you at one in the morning, waking you up, turn your phone off." Oh, but I'll miss the phone call. <laughs> but I'm like, you're not resourceful at one in the morning to be effective. You know, and you just explain, honey, you called at one in the morning. I'm asleep. I turn the phone off. I'll call you in the morning. Leave a message. And just other other things that they don't think about that it may be relevant or important. The, the key point I want to convey is that in my whole approach, we're not trying to persuade the person to leave we're not trying to make them believe anything we're trying to empower them to think for themselves and make their own decisions so it takes out the whole control element completely and i truly believe the best result is where people figure out what they need to do to make their life work to make their life meaningful and fulfilled and they leave but you have a support system that's educated where they know that they can feel safe to talk hey mom i'm starting to have doubts and instead of going yippee because <laughs> of my coaching i say oh tell me more honey i'm here for you i'm your mom everything's gonna be okay tell wow. me more but it, you, you, you kind of need to learn what works. And uh, because I've been doing it for over four decades, I have a pretty vast repertoire of different types of cults and, and mind control situations that I've been able to help with.
1: Awesome. Go ahead, Harry. Incredible.
2: Doctor, you're not only a destructive cult expert, but you're also one of the creators of a curriculum called Ending the Game. Can you tell us a little bit about this curriculum and how it relates to undue influence?
3: Oh, very. thank you for that question. So I was uh, contacted by a retired L.A. police officer who had read Combating Cult Mind Control. He was on a task force on trafficking in L.A., and he said, you know, I'm on this task force, and it strikes me that pimps and traffickers are like cult leaders. What do you think? And I said, I've always thought that, but honestly, I've never interviewed any trafficking victims. I really, I've seen some documentaries on it. I've read some things, but I really don't know. He said, can I put you in touch with some survivors of sex trafficking? I said, please. So he introduced me to Carissa Phelps who herself was a trafficking victim. She ran away from home, an abusive home. uh, When she was, I think, 12 or 13, she went in and out of services and got a mentor one of the times she was uh, taken into custody as a minor who said, you're too smart. To let anybody take advantage of you, she wound up getting uh, a, a law degree and an MBA from UCLA and started a group called Runaway Girls where she would take trafficking survivors uh, and train them, and they would do trainings. So I was asked to do a fusion center training with Carissa, and then she introduced me to another trafficking survivor, a woman named Rachel Thomas, uh, a brilliant, um, wonderful person who had been recruited at Emory University by what's called a CEO pimp, who had his women in his stable approach her, because she's a beautiful woman, you should be a model. My boss can get you some really great gigs. So long story short, Rachel, when I met her, she's like, oh, I read Combat and Cult Mind Control. This really helped me a lot. We should develop a curriculum to help other women and girls understand the, 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 the manipulations that p- pimps do. Because what I didn't understand was that the recidivism rate was like 12 to 14 times where a, 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 a person would get away from the pimp, or arrested or whatever, and go back. And because they didn't understand what had been put in their head, how they had been indoctrinated, given a new name, new language system. And when I was interacting with, with Carissa and and Rachel and another survivor, Delita. Uh, they kept saying um, things like, in the life. And I'm like, what, what do you mean, in the life? Well, that's, you know, when you're doing tricks, it's called in the life. I said, who, who coined that term? Well, I don't know. I said, this is not a good term to help people recover from cult mind control, because it's no life. It's called slavery. <laughs> it's called ex- yeah. sexual exploitation. Yeah. Stop calling it in the life. It's not a life. So, again, it's it's this applying my, my area of expertise to another population. And it turns out we really have good laws now, federally, about trafficking, labor and sex trafficking. And I'd like to add that just in the last... Few uh, months, I was approached by a regional coordinator for the Department of Labor, who does labor trafficking, and he contacted me and said, "I've been using your bike model for years, and I'm developing a model of the enterprise model for commercial trafficking." So we become friends, and he's like, "You need to do more trainings," and I'm like, "Okay, how do I do <laughs> that?" You know, he's like, "You got to apply for government grants." I'm like, "I don't know how to apply for grants." He, he, he said, I can't tell you because I'm the one who decides who gets the grants. <laughs> so, so, anyway, so it, it, there's so much that needs to be done. And that's my burden right now with the pain and the suffering of our country is how to take what I know and scale it to help the most amount of people in the most efficient way, you know, that is doable, and it's, it's going to require a massive, you know, multi year project, I think, including preventive education and inoculation programs, intervention services for families who have a loved one who's been unduly influenced, and recovery services. Most mental health professionals then have not been trained in how to help people coming out of this particular problem.
1: Oh, wow. It's amazing. Well, Dr. Hassan, uh, we got about two minutes. I want to give because we could be doing this for three hours or one more minute. And uh, I want to leave you that minute for you to tell our audience anything you want. So, please.
3: Well, I want people to have hope and to understand that life is precious Mm -hmm. and that we have to get back to morality, and the golden rule, and don't do to others what you don't want done to you. And I just saw a horrible video of somebody attacking a Chinese woman in New York City, and people were watching yeah. it and didn't even go to help her afterward. And that's a lesson. For all of us like what would we do if we saw something like that and i'm not sure going out against the 300 pound guy is the best first move you're the police captain's so, the chief so you could say but i know that you could be videotaping it i know that you could be yelling across the, the glass hey stop that uh, you, you know what I mean? You the, the, and, But mostly calling for emergency services for the woman because she was. Empathy.
1: Harmed. Empathy for others. Yeah. Well, Dr. Hassan, thank you so much. Take us out, Harry. Thank you so much, Dr. Hassan. Um, it's and-
3: Hassan. I'm going to get back to the beginning. <laughs>
2: uh, excuse me for that, Dr. Hassan. No worries. Hassan. And um, please just. Uh, continue doing what you do, and we look forward to recommending your books, especially
1: this latest one, Cult of Trump, to people.
3: Thank you so much. I really appreciate it.
1: And this was The Spotlight with the Ambassador and the Chief. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you for tuning into The Spotlight with the Ambassador and the Chief. Be sure to join Chief Alex Morales and Ambassador Harry Thomas again on the Voice America Variety Channel.